the forest part of your story today at a local park near you. Or find one at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Good afternoon, KPFT listeners. You tuned to Pacifica here in Houston, and we are about to introduce a brand new program here called Pacifica Business Talk. So sit back and enjoy this. We hope to bring you even more information, help you out with shows like this, and it's being hosted by someone new to our family. So please welcome Mr. John Henry. He's going to get it going right now, and you're going to be invited to call in. Let's do it. 90.1 KPFT-FM, FMHD1, Houston. Good afternoon. John Henry with Pacifica Business Talk. 90.1 FM on your dial. This show will discuss business in all aspects, and in these first episodes, most particularly, employment We'll be taking a large view, a wide view of employment, and then we'll narrow it down to individual cases. And we invite people who are either employers or people looking for a job to give us a call, and we'll discuss some of those issues on the air. So, everyone is employed in some way or another from a CEO to all other sectors of the community, almost throughout the whole civilized world. So employment is a thing that if you understand it, you'll have less trouble with it. Looking from the employer's point of view and the employee's point of view, there's lots of issues to consider. One particular issue is that for an employee, even to come into the firm of an employer, there's costs involved. So let's talk a little bit about the cost of hiring and maintaining an employee. Of course, it varies significantly depending on factors. But one of the first costs, obviously, is the salary or the wages of the employee. And if you take an example that, say, $50,000 is what a person is paid, you can add on to that another 20 to 25% for what we call burden. And that's not necessarily benefits. It's tax. So, to employ a person who has paid $50,000, right off the bat, costs about $60,000. Added on to that are benefits, which is health insurance, retirement plans, paid time off, etc., And these benefits can contribute significantly to the cost of employing a person. Most people don't realize that there's a significant cost to recruitment and advertising. In my business background, I've really had a lot of experience uh, paying 
companies like LinkedIn, CareerBuilder, Monster, Glassdoor, and those are just various um, companies that connect employees and employers. Often we paid these companies from four to 6000 per month each. So for a company that hires significantly, they could have a $20,000 per month cost of acquiring employees. A cost of maintaining employees is constant administration in HR. Another cost is training. I've heard of employment contracts that provide that after a person goes through six months of training, they must stay with the employer or pay a penalty, which they agree to. This is difficult. This is in contrast with at-will employment because there's a special deal where the employer and the employer separate. But that's how seriously some companies take training. A lot of times when an employee is trained, they're given very competitive information. So that's another thing that a, an employer considers is what will be the, you know, the end result of the knowledge that they impart to the employee. Overall, the cost of an employee involves a number of things. And if you're an employee looking to get a job with an employer, it's important to, you know, to understand these factors. It can work to your advantage and your disadvantage. For instance, if you land an interview with an employer, you can pretty much know that they want to hire you. They, they have paid money to get you there. They're investing their time in you. So if you understand that they may be paying 20000 a month to advertise to get you there, they're not doing it frivolously, and they want you to, you know, they want you to, to work, if they make you an offer, of course. You know, one of the big bugaboos about and being an employer is providing employee medical insurance. It's absolutely required by all employees in some level, and it's required also by the uh, Obamacare, or Affordable Care Act. This is a significant um, cost depending on how it's administered, but for most employees, when I last checked, which was about two years ago, the cost of insurance was about $850 per employee, so per month. So, uh, so it's real significant. The other side of that, of course, is that the employee has to have it. They have to have it. And so it's, a, it's one of the main reasons for, um, for retention of employees in the workplace. All right. This is John Henry with Pacifica Business Talk, 90.1 FM on your dial. Call 713-526-5738, extension 2 to talk, or extension 1 to support this show and your Houston Pacifica station. If you are looking for a job, there's a bunch of things that are, you know, very important to consider. The, you know, you think, what about a career versus what about a job? Well, it's a career. I haven't worked out this definition, but it's a, 
it's a path of employment that you can progress in over a period of years that will result in a higher than average wage. So, you know, rather than going from one type of work to another type of work, I would, I would define a career as a, a path of employment where each successive uh, engagement is more responsible and higher compensated than the previous one. On the other hand, there are jobs that can pay very well that are not career-oriented but may start out at a fairly high wage and stay at that wage. Another type of job is, is a, a lower-wage job and perhaps a job that doesn't meet the basic minimum standards of living uh, for a 40-hour work week. It's, it's important to think as you consider a career, consider getting a new job, or consider changing jobs, which direction you're going, you know, along that ladder. However, at all levels, there is a sophisticated information system available to employees or prospective employees that will introduce you to really multiple opportunities. Now, as again, as we're talking about deciding on a career or pursuing a line of employment, it's good to ask yourself, what, you know, what is the next step here? Uh, or is there a next step? It's okay if there's not. But as you, if you look at the employment job boards, you'll really see a, a, a huge amount of work in careers that are in demand. So what I would exhort you to do is to consider which careers are in demand. We hear quite a bit about people who get a graduate degree in the arts, for instance, and there's, I love that, I have a graduate degree in the arts, but job categories are not the arts. A job category would be a housekeeper, an accountant, a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, a station manager, a uh, bookkeeper. Those are, are categories. It's important to say where do I fit in in a category. In other words, when I go on to monster.com or careerbuilder.com, what do I put in? Well, if you put in uh, something like uh, uh, musician, well, you might get responses. But let's, tr let's take another example. Say you put in something like artist. You know, there's no corporate demand, in the, for the most part, for an artist. It's a, uh, you know, there are graphic designers, um, and actually that's a fairly big field. But um, if you put something into monster.com or career builder and nothing comes up, that's a clue that maybe that's not a good thing to, you know, to be pursuing as a career. One of the things that... Um, if you put accountant, engineer, um, uh, housekeeper, uh, mechanic, plumber, a myriad of jobs uh, appear, myriad. And so if you connect yourself to those, uh, to those jobs, if you plan your resume, and plan your approach to meet what those jobs require, it's very easy to find employment, especially here in business-friendly Houston. You know, a couple of other ideas for finding a job. 
which you know whichever career or whichever line of work you're in is to i'll just go through them networking talking to friends who are in the business finding people who are in the business you want to be in and you know and talking to them go to meetings that where they where they gather go to uh, trade shows or career fairs especially if you want to change an employment uh, line of work I know a person who was in basically the line of work of customer service and he went to a career fair in the Astrodome and got a job with Dell in customer service. He had a fabulous career at Dell, lots of upward mobility. He didn't change careers, but he, you know, got himself to that career fair and talked to the Dell recruiters. Like I say, they paid to be there. They wanted him, and they want you. Recruitment agencies are a way to get a career-oriented job, and also what we would call in the staffing business industrial jobs. There's a lot of activity in placement in what's, quote, industrial Uh, That would mean a working environment that's not an office environment, but a working environment that might be, for instance, a warehouse, a a plant, or something like that. Some of those are high-paying jobs. Let me ask you now, if you would like to call in, please call 713-526-5738, extension 2 to talk, or extension one to support. We would certainly enjoy hearing from any job seekers or an employer who is looking for people to work. So please give us a call and we'll visit about what issues you are are facing. Another good way to find a job, particularly in administrative, but also in industrial, is temporary agencies. A great way to learn a field that you're not real familiar with that may have a low barrier to entry initially is through a temporary agency. And since I'm particularly familiar with that, I'll I'll just describe the economics of a temporary agency and how they bill the time of their employees to their customers. If a person earns uh, $10 per hour, okay, and and they don't pay that little, but that would just be a number for working purposes, the temporary agency will have a burden of about 30%, so they'll have costs in the range of $3. They want to make about 40%, so they will probably charge the employer $17 to $18 for a, or perhaps $19, for a temporary employee who makes $10 per hour, their gross wage. So, by definition, if an employee is doing certain work and he's being paid $10 an hour, he can pretty much conclude that his labor is worth $17 to $19 per hour and use that in, you know, hopefully to his benefit, of course, without cutting out the temporary agency which got him the job in the first place. But what better experience than having worked for six months in that capacity when you repackage yourself to go after a job of that same type uh, directly with a employer? One thing about agencies is that an agency does not, excuse me, there may be some, but most agencies do not charge to find you a job. They charge the customer to present you as an employee. So there you go again. The customer 
the, the company is paying to get you in front of them, paying to bring you in front of them to work. Please call 713-526-5738, extension 2, to talk. John Henry, Pacifica Business Talk, 90.1 FM, on your dial. One of the things I'm, I think about a lot is uh, there's really two issues. One is the at-will employment, and another is minimum wage. And we'll talk about those as we, um, as we go through the show. Your opinions are welcome, of course. I think one of the strengths of our economy, you know, our social contract between employers and employees is at-will employment. It's a, it's a type of employment relationship where either the employer or the employee can leave, can terminate the relationship at any time. It goes, it goes both ways. It's for the employer can say it's not working out, um, you know, basically you're fired. The employee can say it's not working out, I quit. Absent some, you know, catchy contract or something like that, which which I was talking before about, where there was a penalty for leaving after training, the thing that makes it easy for you to be hired as an employee is at-will employment. The employer really has all these barriers to overcome that we were talking about earlier. So if, it's, if he knows he can get out of a bad decision, then... That's good. He'll make an offer. And you have to understand that many, that sometimes employment deals are a bad decision, both from the employee and the employer's standpoint. In, in the United States, certainly in Texas, they, they have at-will employment. And it's a... Uh, it's, it's kind of the default provision in the law. My understanding is that, and I'm not a lawyer, my understanding is that in certain European countries, that is not the case. So, so a much more firm commitment has to be made by the employer to the employee. Now, an employer can't terminate an employee based on an illegal reason, which is like, uh, like discrimination rules like sex, age, or gender, or other uh, protected characteristics. And, of course, an employee should not quit frivolously. He should leave responsibly. But the basic deal that if this doesn't work out, we both can walk away is a is just a, a a lubricating aspect to the employer employee relationship for the most part in the United States. Now, another issue I'd like to talk about and please feel free to call about this if you're if you're interested in discussing being put on the air and discussing this. 713-526-5738, extension 2 to talk, or extension 1 to support. 90.1 KPFT FM and FM HD1 Houston, Texas. Now, the minimum wage. It's a topic that, in, you know, brings passion to people. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, it's a divisive issue. It's, I would say it's a partisan issue. Uh, on on the perhaps right side, you could, you should say 
well, you might go as far as to say there should be no minimum wage, and every uh, uh, every employment deal should be contracted on its own merits, negotiated on its own merits. And you may have a left view that says the minimum wage should be exactly X. And right now they're saying $15, but it should be X amount of money. And because every job should have a minimum living standard, that would be, I believe, a, a left, an argument from the left. There's both sides with both, you know, problems with, with both arguments. The argument on the right is that, okay, well, I have such a great job and it'll be so good for you, I'll pay you 25 cents an hour. You know, maybe that would be great for a, uh, you know, a skilled craftsman for a one-month a one apprenticeship, but that allows the employer to uh, abuse his power to offer employment to someone who is, um, you know, less powerful in the equation. And I'm not sure that anyone would recommend no minimum wage. On the other side, if the minimum wage is set incorrectly, and what incorrectly means is that it's set too high for an employer to risk taking on an employee that needs training or something of that type, and the hiring just won't take place, and it will create um, uh, higher unemployment. So those are, those are the basic arguments on either side. Now, my understanding is the, well, it is, the minimum wage in the United States now is $7.25. I remember when it was three fifteen or three ten, I think, a long time ago. And so $7.25 is not much money. It's about $300 per week, so, you know, four, uh, 40 times uh, uh, $7. Uh, you know, $280 plus a little bit per week. So, you know, taking that out, maybe $1,100 per month. That is not, you know, in most locations, that is not a living wage. And in... In Houston, working at the agency I did, the temporary agency, I never saw anyone paid less than $12 per hour, and most people were paid higher than $15. And this was between 2006 and 2019, so, you know, pre-pandemic, but that was kind of the minimum wage that we uh, that we were paid in in that agency now so if so if you take fifteen dollars times two thousand hours per year that's a thirty thousand dollar per year salary seven twenty five per hour times two thousand hours is a $14,500 annual gross pay. So it's, a, it's, an interesting, it's an interesting argument. It's an interesting thing to think about. Are, are there places in the United States, and I, you know, I know there are, that where a $7.25 wage would be close to a living wage? And I believe there are. But in major cities, there is really no place for a $7.25 wage. I can't imagine. Uh, perhaps a, a very short-term student situation may may be okay for that, but it, it, it would not hold up in the actual market. So, so that's, that's what I'm thinking about the minimum wage. It's a, uh, 
where should the minimum wage be? Well, you have your right and then you have your left. Your right would say it should be low or lower. The left would say it should be high or higher. Well, if high, if $15, which is the current talk, what about $20? So at what point would it be too much? What about $25? You know, now once you, and excuse me for working on the, the left's argument here, but if, if you were, um, uh, if you received a minimum wage of, of $7.25 an hour, it is simply not enough to live on. So at the other end, it could be $30 or more, and then no one would be employed, and it would be extremely inflationary. John Henry, Pacifica Business Talk, 90.1 FM on your dial, 713-526-5738, extension 2 to talk if you are an employer or an employee looking for a job, and number one, uh, extension 1 to support the station. We'll be right back. It's me, your cell phone. We need to talk about something, something serious. I know you love me. I know you like using me wherever you are, but I feel like this isn't working out when you're driving. I know you may think that it's possible to focus both on me and the road, but I just don't feel the same way. I think we should spend time away from each other when you're driving. It's for the best. Visit stoptextstoprex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Look through your children's eyes, and you will discover the true magic of a forest. Find a forest near you and start exploring at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. I love this song! I love nachos. Loving everything? You might be buzzed. You know what I love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzz warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. This is KPFT Houston, 90.1 FM and FM HD1. Adopt US Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad, just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. AdoptUSKids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A Teenager. Learning the Lingo. GOAT. G-O-A-T. Acronym. Stands for Greatest of All Time. As in, spaghetti sandwiches for dinner? They're my fave. Dad, you're the GOAT. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. And now, back with John Henry, Pacifica Business Talk. Welcome back. John Henry with Pacifica Business Talk. 90.1 FM on your dial. Dial 713-526-5738, extension 2 to talk, or extension 1 to support our show and your Houston Pacifica radio. We were talking about the minimum wage, and a lot of times we have to go back and review the basis of some of these concepts that we have in our employment contract between employees and employers. There was a time in the past 
where there was extreme exploitation of employment and I don't know how far you want to go back, but but not within recent memory, the low minimum wage was used to exploit employees, and obviously that's a great reason for a minimum wage. We have Richard on the line. How are you doing today, Richard? Oh, I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thank you very much. Thank you for calling. Okay. I had a question about your example about the, uh, the temporary agency. Yes. Thank where? You. Okay. So uh, if you're if you're receiving ten dollars an hour, and uh, the temporary agency is receiving seventeen dollars an hour for having you employed at, at, and then you go direct with the company that that, w- that was using the temporary agency. What should you expect from, as a fair salary from the, that company, being that they're going to be providing you with benefits? Thank you for the awesome question. First of all, don't go straight to the company that the temporary agency sent you to. Uh, and, right. and I'm going to get around to answering your question. There is a nuance called uh, temp to hire, where the if the company loves you, and this happens all the time, I saw it every month, a couple of times a month, where the company said, we like this person, we want them full time. Quote us a price where they can come and work full time for us. And, you know, the, the agency would quote them a price, and it would be in the thousands, the low thousands. It would be some multiple of their hourly rate, uh, including less what they had already worked. So they, what they would do in concept is turn it into what's called a direct hire. Um, and so there would be a fee negotiated. Then you would go on payroll of the, of the new company. What, what I was suggesting, and I hope this answers your question, is that the amount the temporary company is charging for the work that you do is roughly the market rate for the work that you do. So you can, uh, you know, you can with good negotiating strength say you know i want 17 bucks an hour and uh the company may counter with well we had to uh you know we had to pay a fee for your employment here and and you can say okay well that's that's fine then you were basically paying 17 dollars an hour and that's what i want now the company has already said they want you so so what i'm suggesting is that the is that the rate that the Temporary agency charges the uh, the customer company is an appropriate uh, starting place, and maybe you might even go higher than that for salary negotiations. Um, what do you uh, so? What do you think, Richard? What do you think about that? Well, uh, I think that okay. I mean, well, I like the idea where you're not losing anything. But, okay, so you're saying that if I were to go to, using myself, if I was to go to a, t- uh, a company, totally different company, company C, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That, and, and I go and I say, you know, I want to work for you, I want, and, you know, I expect to have, of course, like you said, health benefits, and maybe some other benefits like, you know, time off, vacation time off, I should still expect to make, be making it at least $17 an hour. Well, the the benefits between a full-time employee at a company and the benefits you would receive at a temporary agency would be different. The benefits you would receive at the at the company as a full-time employee, uh, what we would call a a permanent employee, and I'm using air quotes because no employee is mm-hmm. permanent. Uh, would, right, direct would, would be a direct hire. Thank you, a direct employee. Yeah. Uh, would be so you know that could be factored into the overall uh, deal. In other words, you know you're going to get a thousand dollars worth of medical coverage, and so you could consider that in the whole mix. If if you say, hey, I want set for this example seventeen dollars an hour, they would say, yeah, but we're paying you, you know, thousand dollars, and you know for medical coverage, you know, plus other burden and stuff. But that's equal on each side. Then you could say, well, if we uh, uh, we could deduct that from what about since 
you know, I've already proven my worth here uh, from 1850 per hour. And so that, that could be a basis of, of negotiation with the new company or some third-party company. You know that the, the rate that's being paid for your type of work is 17 an hour. You know that for a fact. Uh, although, you know, the temporary agency won't tell you that, but, you know, I'm suggesting that would be a minimum of the case. A lot of times uh, in, uh, temporary agency markups are in the uh, 200% range, so they might be charging $20 per hour. Uh, for a $10 an hour employee. And that may sound terribly exploitative, but it's really not. It's, uh, uh, it may be very short term, it, uh, that kind of thing. So, um, so, uh, so in other words, being, you know, going into a company on a temporary agency basis is a, is a smart way to go. You know, it opens up doors for you. It gets the experience. It, uh, it uh, shows the value of the work you do, and then you can turn right around after the assignment is satisfactorily ended and, you know, require, demand that as an employee uh, in, a, in a similar type position. Okay, so, but are you saying then that the benefit uh, offered by the, the, third, the third company is is really negligible, that, that you should still... Oh no! Uh, no, I'm not saying it's negligible. I'm in fact saying that the benefits at the third-party company or the, you know, direct hire customer will be superior to the benefits provided by the temporary agency. Uh, you know, they would be quote full-time benefits, which might include 403k, uh, uh, sorry, 403b, 401k, or um, uh, you know, or pension. Doubt it, but. Or pension, yeah, yeah, or yeah. <laughs> I doubt it, or uh, or major medical insurance for you and or your family, you know, partially paid. So you know they may either you know some companies used to provide fully paid medical benefits for an employee, and then the employee would pay for their families. Some companies would pay both for the employee and their families, and so so that can vary widely. But even though you're getting paid ten dollars an hour gross. From as a as a temporary employee during that period of time, you're you know you're doing that job, which might be a month, it might be three months, it might be a week. You've proven to yourself that a uh, person will pay seventeen dollars for that type of work. Now, ten dollar, like I, as I said before, we never paid anyone less than twelve dollars an hour. Uh, most people at the very bottom. Uh, you know, entry level, uh, and and by bottom, I, I'm, I hope I didn't make, uh, give a value judgment there. People who no, are entry level, you know, very entry level and very temporary in nature, uh, would uh, 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 you know at least command twelve to fifteen dollars an hour. So, so I w- so going back to my minimum wage argument, that's double. The minimum wage in Houston on a very common basis. Are you are you searching for a job now, Richard? No, no, I'm I'm uh, I'm employed. I just want I'm sort of thinking maybe going the other way with this. Say I'm I'm a, a direct employee, and and again, this is just a number. It's not actually what I'm making, but just mm-hmm, a, a mm-hmm. round number. Yeah, I make a hundred dollars an hour. Right, and I have a very good benefit package. You know, four hundred one k. Vacation, stay put. You know, very good. <laughs> stay put. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. But say I was to say, well, you know, I I can go, I can do contract work, and I can make, because I'm very good at what I do. I can go out and get contract work. How much would that benefit package be worth in addition to what I know that I'm I make per hour? Well, at the at the hundred thousand dollar per year level. A um, hundred thousand dollar, excuse me, hundred dollar per hour is roughly two hundred thousand dollars per year, right? In other words, hundred thousand dollars times uh, yeah. two thousand. But again, that's that's just a made up number, just to make numbers easy. Well, that hu- that large number reduces the impact of the benefits. You can say, hey, if you give me one hundred and twenty an hour, you know, I'll take my benefits. Don't worry about my benefits. Uh, you know, I'll right. I'll handle them on my own. On the other hand. Knowing that you're coming into work 
and are going to earn $100 an hour, eight hours a day, you know, from nine to five every day, or, you know, plus projects and all that kind of stuff, there's a, a big benefit to that. And, uh, and if, you, if you are a contractor, there's a lot of, a lot of things about that. And, uh, and actually, I think that's a great topic to get on right now. It's pivoting uh, over to contract employment versus, you know, direct employment. Have you considered uh, becoming a contract employee or a, contract, a uh, contractor? Contractor is the right term. Uh, yes, I have, and I've done that in the past. And I did expect, you know, taking on a better a better rate because because of the insecurity. And I and I did receive a better rate. Did you get as and many was, hours? Uh, I did because the times were really good. Okay. Okay. Good. Good. It it's a uh, now what now what about this? There's a, another element to being a full time employee, and it's uh, it's that you. You know, and this is a positive or a negative. Uh, they would tend to think of contractors as not in in management or the executive ranks. Uh, right. You, you may say, "Hey, well, you know, the the controller of the company makes eighty thousand a year, and I make double that." But the, you know, the VP finance, the VP marketing, uh, those kind of people can uh, can you know earn lots of money. Uh, so, in in my opinion, and, and correct me if you you know think I'm misperceiving, a a contractor won't be included in uh, management discussions or uh, strategic vision and those type of things, which could lead to you know really outsized compensation down the road. Uh, no, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I was there to do the work that was in front of me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. So, yeah, but like I said, the times were different. Times were good, and when I saw that that things were changing and that times were not going to be as as good, I then pivoted again and became a direct employee. and uh, And I saw contractors as you know shown the door because they had to keep their direct people. Exactly. Exactly. May I ask, with in very general terms, what type of work you do? It was engineering work. Okay. Okay. Great. Engineer is a such a great job. You know, it's it's um, accounting and engineering and medicine, um, and sadly, not so much law. But those are professions where, if you go on Monster.com and put electrical engineer, you're going to have thousands of open jobs just thousands uh chemical engineer structural engineer uh also the medical profession really from doctors to you know to nurses to support personnel huge demand in employment just absolutely huge demand so it's a it's a here we have you have landed in a very, very well compensated profession that's in demand, and few people can do it. So it's a uh, so congratulations. That's fantastic to hear. Okay, well, like I said, I'm blessed that I've you know I've always been able to to read the TVs and and pivot when needed. There's a an example of a profession that has fallen out of favor, and maybe you could contribute to this. Uh, in, in 1980, 1981, geologists were absolutely riding high. It, it, looked, like it, um, it looked like it was, especially here in Houston, they you know, could do no wrong. They, you know, they just simply could not uh, uh, fall out of work un- you know, unless some you know, grievous cause or something. Two years later, they were unemployable due to economic conditions, due to the you know price of oil falling to uh, ten dollars a barrel. Uh, do you, are you do you happen to remember that era? I know that was a long time ago. It was forty years I, ago. I yeah, I came in just just as the bo- at, at the bottom of that era. 
I mean, you know, when things were really difficult. In in the kind of the late eighties or eighty seven or something like yeah. that. The yeah. it's a uh it's a you know, a lot of people don't remember that. And and it's a uh it's a when I'm talking about the the jobs that you go into will are they dependent on a certain type of of industry or commodity uh engineering is a is a knowledge based profession that that can be applied in many many different ways but one segment of that petroleum engineering and geology was cut out by by the absolute collapse of a complete segment so uh so that's a real interesting uh you know interesting paradigm uh, you know, my own profession, which is accounting, is a is a field where every company has to have an accountant. Um, every not every company has to have a structural engineer, and so uh, it's a field where you can remain employed throughout your lifetime, perhaps without really really high compensation, but certainly with good compensation. So these are all things that uh, that tell me. How did you? Uh, what kind of degree did you get, and how did you get into engineering? I got a. Uh, a I, I had a uh, bachelor's in engineering to begin with, and I got into it by. Uh, I I, I kind of like got into it by just by accident. A friend of mine was was talking about that he was going to do this because it was a high-paying, you would it'd be a high-paying job and you're pretty much guaranteed to, uh, to work. Yes. So that's how I got into it. Very good. Engineering degree, you know, you go right into it. Not everyone has that, that guidance and direction. And, you know, you may know people who uh, have skills in, in certain areas one thing I mentioned was assessing your skills when you when you consider a career, and obviously you would not have gotten a, a degree in engineering if you hadn't, you know, done pretty good in math in high school, and then been able to hack the calculus in college and and courses beyond that. Not all of us, uh, including in the accounting profession, are that skilled at math, and and some people, you know. What I'm talking about is an assessment of skills, where right. uh, where you you know at some point in your in your uh, uh, high school or very early college career, figure out like what is it that I'm good at? You know, is it uh, can I see numbers down a page and pick one out quickly? That's a skill I have. Can I run differential equations and integrals? Not so much. Uh, you know, do do I think in three dimensions, uh, like a, a geologist or or maybe a heart surgeon? You know, uh, uh, in my case, not so much. Uh, do I care about people? You know, do I care about people more than things? Uh, maybe I would be good in the uh, medical or elder care profession, whereas some people may not care about people as much. And you know they wouldn't they wouldn't be a fit in those professions, so it's a it's a real interesting uh, thing to see who uh, you know how you take your skills uh, into into a career or a profession, and if you have those high end engineering math skills, then uh, people are are very much rewarded for it. That isn't to say that people who are, for instance, in nursing or, uh, in some cases, elder care or, or hospice care or those type of professions are compensated at a high hourly wage also. Maybe not $100 an hour, but, <laughs> but a high hourly wage. And they're doing well, what they like because they're good at it. Well, uh, when I first started college, I was uh, a math and science major. And, and I was asked, well, what are you going to do with that? And I had no idea what I was going to do with it. You know, become a, become a teacher, become, you know, something like, I, you know, I had no idea what I was going to do with that. And when I was shown engineering, it was like, okay, this is, some, this is the job. This is what 
I can do with this. And, uh, you know, before that, I was sort of just, uh, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily say an impoverished uh, lifestyle, but it was, it was not well-directed. So. Richard, thank you so much for calling, making a valuable contribution to the show. Uh, great luck with your career. It sounds like it's going fantastic, and, and we really appreciate the discussion. Uh, it, well, actually, it, it's starting to come to an end, but uh, by choice. Well, good. A successful uh, career. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you very much. This is John Henry with Pacifica Business Talk, 90.1 FM on your dial, 713-526-5738 to contribute. If you want to support this show and your Houston Pacifica radio, please contribute. This show will be starting every Thursday at 1 p.m. starting in 2023. That's every Thursday at 1 p.m. We'll continue our discussion of employment and other business matters. We welcome your calls. If you're interested in calling into the show or being on the show, particularly if you're an employer, for instance, a local business, love local businesses who employ 100 employees, 50 employees, 500 employees, how do you get employees? How do you, what is your philosophy of compensating employees? Are you a family business or do you have employee stock ownership? What is the, you know, what is, what are the issues you're facing about getting employees in Houston? And so we would appreciate your call regarding that. You can call in now and leave a message for us to call you back. If you are an individual, or an employee, and you're looking for work, please don't hesitate to call in. We'll talk about it. You know, I wouldn't say we're giving employment advice, but we will talk about your uh, employment search or perhaps a career search, and maybe some of our ideas might be beneficial to you and our, and our listeners. Over the next several weeks, we'll be talking about employment consumer credit, business history, real estate, stock market trends, cryptocurrency trends, scams and traps, investment products, business climate, politics as pertain to business climate, and restaurants. I'm John Henry. I have a general business background in Houston, Texas that stretches back about 42 years. I've been involved in employment and high tech. Both were fabulous. And I enjoy sharing business ideas with active people here in Houston, whether on the employer, the employer side, discussing investments, and just having fun talking about the magic of business where everyone goes into a marketplace, competes, and hopefully wins. Business is fantastic in Houston, and it's great to be a part of. It's been great to be a part of over these last 42 years. Despite our ups and downs, Houston has always been a very pro-business, very success-attainable climate. So please tune in on Thursdays after January 1st at 12 p.m. For me, John Henry, at Pacifica Business Talk, 90.1 KPFT-FM and FM HD1 in Houston, Texas. To support the station, call 713-526-5738, extension 1.
Your support helps us stay on the air, initiate new content, keep our equipment current, inform the Houston audience with offbeat and non-commercial programming. 